our reading from Matthew this morning, we hear the greatest preacher who ever preached, preach one of the most powerful sermons ever delivered. And 2,000 years after the Sermon on the Mount was preached, people all over the world are still trying to come to an understanding of the message contained in this sermon, generally referred to as the Beatitudes. Beatitudes means blessed or happiness. And this kind of happiness is happiness that can never be affected by the things of this world. It's the settled inner satisfaction that is sometimes considered the peace that passes all understanding. And sometimes you see that in people. The Beatitudes gives us a picture of a man or woman in whom Christ dwells. But more than this, the Beatitudes is a picture of Christ himself. Only Jesus can live within us, deep inside us, in a way that is described in these eight very short assertions given to us in the Beatitudes that we heard this morning. These eight assertions give us nothing less than a summary of the greatest themes of the message of the gospel, the story of Jesus. They present present truth so profound and so life-changing that they could not have been spoken by anyone else except Jesus. At first glance, it would seem that in the Beatitudes, we are asked to do something. But in actual fact, the emphasis is not on doing something. The words from this sermon by Jesus are not so much about a set of actions we are to do as much as the kind of character or the kind of person we are asked to be. As someone has pointed out, this isn't the do attitudes, it's the be attitudes. It's a description of what it looks like to be a disciple, just like you are all disciples or people who follow Christ. Now, if you happen to be someone who is eager to jump into the practical side of things, eager to get right into the to-dos, having the car really or the motorbike really revved up, ready to go and do something, Jesus is teaching, be patient in the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus will lay out for us plenty of to-dos to work on throughout the Bible. But in his great wisdom, he begins his sermon by setting before us what to be first. And the importance of that cannot be stressed enough. Many people have tried to do the Sermon on the Mount and have ended up in disappointment, frustration and despair. And the reason is simple. The Sermon on the Mount was never meant to be a list of commands that we are to follow in our own strength. Simply put, we will never be able to do the things in the Sermon on the Mount if we are not first being the things in the Beatitudes. Before Jesus delivered his sermon, we are told that he went. He saw multitudes of people who were following him, but he went up the mountain. Actually, from my trips to uh, this area in Israel, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, I would describe the place Jesus preached at as more like the Sermon on the Small Hill. We learn it was uh, we learn it was his disciples or followers who followed them up the small hill, and to whom he preached. We're told that when he was seated, his disciples came and he spoke specifically to the people who were following him. 
If it had been a sermon given today, the words may well have sounded more like, um, more dif- different in style. It may have been more like the words from the Message Bible. And they could have gone something like this. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you're lost, you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought with money. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink. He's the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At that moment of being careful, you find you're being cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God all about you in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's amazing family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes even ridicule. That ridicule drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And after the eight Beatitudes, Jesus said, Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit you. What it means is that it's too close to the truth for them. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer, for though you don't like it, I, your Lord, likes it, and all heaven applauds, and know that you are in good company because my prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Jesus can speak such words because he's revealing a kingdom perspective. He is talking about the kingdom he wants to build inside our lives, as we heard in the first reading, and also in the community and in our country and in our world. You may have noticed, and if you haven't, have another wee look at this part of this reading from the Bible, that the first and last of the eight Beatitudes Jesus applies to the presence of the kingdom of heaven. So the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the eighth Beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, act as bookends for the six in the middle, because they say that it's about the kingdom on earth. Jesus calls those who would be his followers to a radical commitment and hope. He calls us to join a radical kingdom with the assurance that God has the last word. Can we find happiness in the sense of being blessed? This text today affirms that we can. Firstly, we can find happiness because it is promised to us. Happiness is such a vague term People actually take pills to get happiness. The happiness that Jesus promised in the Beatitude is of divine origin and therefore cannot be bought or taken or produced or packaged. 
It is an inner state that comes from a commitment to following the path of Jesus, living the life to which he has called us to give us happiness that isn't of human origin. It comes from God, so yes, we can find happiness. Secondly, we can find happiness because it is for every single person. Randy Harris, in a book called Living Jesus, wrote, The people on the mountain that day were in an occupied country. Imagine what it would have been like to have the Romans sitting over you. Many of them were very poor. They were marginalised people in society. And Jesus wanted them to know from the very beginning that God loved them no matter what, and that they were blessed by God because the rest of the world told them that they were actually throwaway people. When you look at the people Jesus addresses, you can see that they were the throwaway people according to society. As always, Jesus is drawn to the hurting, struggling, sad, unsure, people who are unsure if they're going to make it. Jesus looks at people who are struggling for whatever reason, be it finance or health or loneliness or the loss of somebody they love and a raft of other reasons and offers blessing, tells them they can live in spite of their pain. And thirdly, we can find happiness because God rewrites our life, our story. Imagine that your life is a book. Each chapter that we've written has its mistakes troubles and hurts. The Beatitudes show us how God rewrites every single chapter of our lives and gives us the hope that we desperately need. And what are examples of these rewritten chapters like? Well, they could include these chapters in your book. The chapter where I lost everything, my savings, my dreams, my business, my house, perhaps, and Jesus gave me all that mattered. And the reading from the Beatitudes would be, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or it could be the chapter when I lost somebody I loved so much, and Jesus came near to my broken heart and walked alongside me when I felt so alone. And so we read, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And it could be the chapter where I felt run over and very down in heart and Jesus gave me hope where there didn't seem to be hope. So blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Or it could be the chapter when I thought I knew better than anyone else in the whole world and Jesus filled me with grace. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Or perhaps it was the chapter when I actually lacked forgiveness towards someone and it didn't make me feel any better and Jesus relieved me of my guilt. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Or it could be the chapter when I hid my faith because I was so ashamed to talk about it and Jesus said, they treated me like that too. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you or say false things about you because they did that about me too. Let us thank Jesus for rewriting the chapters of our life and giving us a new vision of life as he spoke about in the Beatitudes which we heard about today.
the Sermon on the Mount calls us to continue life as very best we can, knowing that Jesus lives within us and walks alongside us always. He is the only one that we have to answer to. Amen.